Hello and welcome to the Life Central Youth Podcast. For those of you that haven't recognised my voice, uh, my name is Andy. Uh, and today I'm going to be having a conversation around racism, around the Black Lives Matter movement, around the reactions to the George Floyd death um, with a really good friend of mine, uh, Jonathan Rowland. He's the youth pastor at Tramway Christian Fellowship. He's also part of the Limitless Directional team. Um, so if you've ever been to Limitless Festival, you'll have seen Jonathan bouncing around the festival site, usually oh, wearing <laughs> usually wearing his spare shirt as well. But for that, we will... Which I'm actually wearing right now. Yeah, believe it or not. There we go. <laughs> Always wearing a spare shirt is Jonathan. Jonathan, it's great to have you with us. Yeah, flashing his spare shirt at me there. <laughs> how, how are you doing, mate? I'm okay, actually. Um, it's been an interesting uh, couple of days. Um it's been challenging, definitely, um, but I just, I just give God thanks that um, he's in, he's in control. Really, I really do give God thanks for that, because if it wasn't for him, then I know things would be a lot, a lot different than what it is right now. So yeah, yeah. thank you, Andy. And sometimes, sometimes it's difficult to see and feel like God's in control, but we we have to come back to that trust point, don't we? The absolutely. Same. God, you are in control. Although, and there was a great phrase that, that our senior pastor said on Sunday that when you when you can't trace the hand of God, you can trust the heart of God. Amen. And I think I think that's a really good thing to to be yeah. um, to be holding on to in this in in what's going on at the moment. Yeah, Jonathan, before we get before we get stuck into it, tell us just a little bit about your your background, your family, what it is you do, all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. So um, I'm Jonathan Rowland. I uh, I might give my age. <laughs> you could tell if you if you if you looked at me, you'd probably say I'm around my thirties, hopefully. But I'm hitting a, a a lovely number this year, so um, we won't go into that. <laughs> I've been uh, married sixteen years uh, to Jesse. Uh, I have three boys, uh, no girls three boys, um, eight years old, uh, 12 and 15. Um, I am, like it has been mentioned, I'm a youth pastor at Tramway Christian Fellowship, where I have been doing that for around six, six odd years. Um, but I've always been in youth work and youth ministry um, from the get-go, um, really. Um, I am an ex-police officer, um, where I spent uh, 15 years in uh, the Metropolitan Police in London. Um, I'm I'm uh, a business owner. I'm a CEO of a company called MyChurch.Events, uh, where we advertise uh, church activities and church events. So um, that's a little bit about me, really. A busy man, then. <laughs> Very yeah, yeah, definitely and busy. <laughs> and it's great to hear like your what we're going to be talking about your perspective as a as a dad as a youth pastor as a former police officer um, yeah. is really great jonathan tell us just your experience of racism like your your um your kind of childhood experience of that and mm. maybe as you've gone through the police and uh, and up to now okay um so for, for me uh i i my first experiences in terms of uh, racism was um, so I was born and raised in uh, Stoke Newington, which is in London, um, borough of Hackney. Um, so my parents moved out from there, and we, and we moved to a place 
in Enfield. Um, and we were the only, uh, so when we moved into that house, we were the only uh, black family in the whole road, um, in a whole close. Um, wow. And we, were, we took that number one um, house. By the way, um, I just want to quickly put out, if you hear my children screaming in the background, there's no child <laughs> protection or safeguarding matters. It's just what they do <laughs> on a day to day. Um, so if you do hear that, that is what um, I've, I've got no control over that right now. <laughs> and you can hear them from, you know, the ground floor all the way to where I am in the attic. So you will hear them. Um, so, yeah, my first experience really was when we moved into um, that home. Um, it, unfortunately, the home that we moved into, which we didn't know much about, uh, the, the people were evicted from the house for not being able to pay their mortgage, etc. So that white family disappeared and, and went off. Um, and so we, we were the first black family in there. And we didn't really know why we were getting looks uh, so much in the street. But obviously they felt like, you know, this is a, a first of um, experience of, of black people really on their road and where they live. Um, so we were subjected to a number of um, racial incidences where, you know, eggs was thrown, stuff was put through our letterbox. Um, people, you know, were, I mean, I had confrontations in my front garden uh, with a number of youth. Um, so it was really difficult. So that was really my first um, interact. Well, kind of I'm young but this is what kind of racism is. They, they're doing this because I'm, mm. I'm black, not because, wow. you know, um, of anything else. So that was my first really. And then going into school um, was extremely difficult because uh, the school that I was meant to uh, go to was uh, a really good school. Um, but what, unfortunately what happened um, was that I did the exam entry and I, a number of issues happened with that anyway. Um, but, by the time we were able to to try and rectify certain things, um, there wasn't many schools that were left. So I ended up having to go to what they deemed as a really bad school in Enfield. And that was extremely difficult because um, the school had a lot of national front in there. Um, I was like the only black um, person in my, in my year group. Wow. And um, yeah, I, it was, it was difficult because I had to face a number of uh, incidences where I was beaten up um, by National Front, waited at after school, uh, chased down my alley. Um, oh man, I could I could talk about many many stories of um, that. What What do you mean by National Front? Could you so just National explain Front, that for us? National Front was a a group um, who basically are totally racist. Uh, they hate black people. Uh, they were called wow. NF, um, and they had shaved heads. Um, like I know you got a shaved head. I'm not calling you National Front, by the way. So you know, <laughs> but you know they were. Um, you know, it's really funny. Even saying that, you know, it's, a lot of things is what people see. So. Um, just because you have a shaved head doesn't make you national front just because um, you're white mm. doesn't make you racist, you know? Um, but they, you know, what would make you racist if you had a swash digger 
uh, on mm. you, you know, tattooed on your forehead. Um, yeah. That would. Which, so. I, which I don't, for clarity. Yeah, so I know. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so basically they were, uh, they were quite strong within Enfield Borough uh, near the Wolfham Cross side. So that was a, an area which we could never go to. Um, there was a line drawn in that area. So that they, they had restaurants. They had a pizza hut there and um, a cinema there. And we, you know, it was known that no black families would travel past uh, that line. So it was called a Red Lion pub, but you wouldn't travel further than that because you knew that you would either get attacked on a bus oh. or car, and, you know, stuff like that if you're a black family traveling that way. So it was difficult. Um, very challenging and I'm, I'm, my parents put me into karate to to protect myself um because they just you know both myself and my siblings my sister and my brother we all had to do karate because they were just you know my parents were really fearful that um we would be really badly injured and so forth wow. because it was an ongoing thing so they um tried to be governors of the school to try and be in the system to try and change it, um, which was really helpful. Um, and fortunately, because of that, I was able to to, to come out with with you know ten GCSEs plus. So, um, and that's a really positive example for you, sir, at an early age. That that a way to affect change is is to get into the system and uh, and be part of the system to change it. One hundred percent. And that's how I live my life. Um, I mean, my parents showed me many things in life, and that's definitely one thing that um, that that all has always stayed with me. You know, is that you know what if you if you want to bring change to something, sometimes the best way you can do is actually by doing something about it, um, rather than just shouting from the hilltop. If you actually started digging down into the hill, then you can bring that change. You can reduce that that hill, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it takes a shovel. And it takes time and energy, but you know, you may just dig, you know, one hole, but somebody may come along and help you. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's reduced massively and that's because you started. So I've always been, um, you know, fortunate to be in the position where, you know, God has placed me, uh, in, in that kind of environment where I've had to actually stand up and say, look, I'm not, I'm not taking this. I'm going to do something about it which is really difficult though because it means that you fully trust in God in all things because it's not about like man I I wouldn't even imagine doing this for for example this is something that I would never thought that I would I would ever do in my entire life but I'm here talking into a camera um and speaking to you Andy that's Mm. it's not something which I would imagined I would be doing about topics Mm. like this as well yeah and it's, it's some of that that learning that you had around being part of the system to make a change is that is that some of the heart behind you joining the police force like what is it that made like a, a young black man like yourself go and join the police yeah see my parents didn't want me to join the police That's, <laughs> a lot of people didn't want me to join the police to be honest um because it was it was known as being institutionally racist so it wasn't it, was, it wasn't a job that people were like um, go into. I, I was always born to be an engineer and be a pilot. But uh, so when I said to my parents, I'm going to be a police officer, they were like, yeah, okay, we're going to keep on praying for you. <laughs> so it wasn't something, but for me, the, the main, 
kind of click in my brain that made me want to be it was when um because we had we've had we had along the day so many uh opportunities for police to actually help us as a family um loads of loads of opportunities um and it was very very um we didn't get any kind of input from them we didn't get any kind of help from them and there was um you know we would uh, obviously speak about uh racist um, incidences um, where we would ask for help from them um, we would make reports but we didn't again like I said not they didn't help us um, there was one occasion um, where we we had a burglary in our house and um, and police officers came to the house and the response that I got um, that they gave to our family was it was unique it was um, absolutely amazing like wow. uh, it was so good like the the female officer who was there and i still remember and i see i could see their picture in the, in my brain but they were both white officers and it was a female officer and a male and they were just like oh we're really sorry that this has happened to you this is so bad and and they were like we were willing to do whatever we can to to try and catch these criminals and so forth and it was it was a totally different experience of what police were and for me that was like wow there are great there are police that are good you know and i was mm. like man imagine if i was in there and i can represent um you know for the black brothers <laughs> then maybe i could do something and and you know people you know i can change the way i feel about police and maybe help others who who can do the same so that was one of the reasons why i thought yeah let me try and go into that and at the time um the met was in you know they, they kind of recognized that there was no black officers and there was no ethnic minorities minorities um in the police so they were just like you know what we're gonna do this uh you know career day for for ethnic minorities so we would turn up and then you would just see loads of black people there trying to get a job and it was just it was so weird um but you know in, even in that it was it was something that i i wanted to do i wanted to bring change and be that change agent but i didn't realize how difficult it was going to be if i'm honest mm. yeah <laughs> tell, us, tell us Tell us briefly, Jonathan, just some of your experience of being in the police. Because, um, you know, you said there about, about police being institutionally racist. And we've heard a lot about, you know, that, um, uh, you know, a lot of forces are systemically racist. And obviously that that's not us by any stretch saying everybody who's in the police is racist because we, we know that not to be true. But there's there's some level of systemic racism that, that does exist, not just in the police force, but in right, right across the world, really, in institutions. But just tell us some of your experience as a black police officer. Yeah, so I, I worked in the borough of my first, well, so after doing, uh, going to Hendon and doing 18 weeks training and so forth, I, I, I put for a borough of Haringey, because I wanted to be in the borough that, you know, was busy. I didn't want to, you know, go and go around Oxford Street and, and arrest shoplifters. I wanted to actually be in a borough that was, you know, intense and busy and um, multicultural as well, um, which was really difficult because when I got to the borough, I realised that I was very, there was, you know like on a night shift i'll probably be the one black officer on on night shift or you know it was just <laughs> like in within uh when you 
get you do your your roll call in the mornings and you know maybe one or two officers are there out of you know a number of officers so it was really difficult and because everyone's everyone's different so everyone has a different way of doing things um um and a kind of the perception of what black people were were lazy um um and that they you know they weren't going to work hard and and that you know they were dangerous essentially um which was really which which I didn't know until I started going into that um to realize that people didn't want to work with me because of you know I'm I'm black and it was difficult for that and um within the first you know just after street juice and so forth they um I found myself being given tasks that were just like the the menial tasks so every so everyone will get jailer for instance um and they will get a jailer post uh, which is just you're in a, you're in the the station looking after prisoners but i would instead of getting you know like a white officer would get four uh weeks of that posting i would get 18 weeks of that posting yeah. or 20 weeks of that posting you know so it was just like oh, I felt like I was always in there and then mm. there's you know like the jobs that will go to um like what they called cushy jobs so for instance like driving or the, sorry being in um in a you know like the, the area car or you know like a like a good car that is going to be going to the, the crimes first or dealing with uh you know uh, stolen vehicles or that kind of stuff those are like what what was called cushy jobs but that would never come my way so like all the postings that i would get will be like inside postings so like being jailer or being uh, front office station person and it was just after a while it, it grated on me to the point where i was just like i had to stand and say look what is going on why why is everybody else getting all of these jobs and they seem to be you know why and they're getting all these jobs why am I always getting the crap, the rubbish job? Mm. You know, something has to has to be different. And, and, and why was that, Jonathan? Like, is that is that somebody like a senior officer saying, "I'm not going to give that to him because he's got black skin," or or is is it like a little bit more subtle than that? Like, how, how... it's very subtle. It's extreme, right. and and the thing is, is when when you're in the air is so subtle and because I can't say anything so but you know you know so it's not like it's um well there are times where they do say it to your face I just don't like you that's fine and I I, I prefer that rather you tell me that I don't you don't like me and that's fine I, I can deal with that but in terms of you stopping my progression and stopping things or blocking me so the thing is if I if I put in for sergeants I would never know um who's blocking me I wouldn't know that a lot mm. within the police there's a lot to do about who you know and um you know only certain people the more you more you're in that group you're in that clique is the more that you're you're able to to progress and go further because it's who you know you can mm. speak to the inspector or the chief inspector or so forth but as a black officer you couldn't do that because you didn't you did you you weren't allowed to know people you it was it was very hard to know you know you knew your colleagues but you know it was very difficult to know you know further up in the chain of command and get that kind of respect from them which over the years i managed to work out and do and that was mm. through other things so it wasn't just about being a police officer i was great at um 
fixing computers. And that's how I was, <laughs> they enabled me to then speak to a superintendent. And cause I got really friends with him and I went around to his house and I managed to fix his computer and all the stuff that was on his computer. I was just like, great. Well, you know what? I'm going to recommend you to this. And then I started getting mm. recommended to other people, which meant that I was able to, to break that, that kind of um, hold, which was on me. Mm. And that's, I suppose, where some of the phrasing around equal opportunities comes from around white privilege. Cause me, me and you aren't that different in age. Um, and, and it's almost like if we join the police force at the same time, it would be easier for me to rise through the ranks and you would have to, you would have to work hard and, and fix people's computers. And, I would have to prove and, that I'm not something. Whereas yeah. you would go in there and you just be who you are. I would have mm. to prove that I'm not lazy. I would yeah. have to prove that um, I can get as much uh, detections or, uh, cr- you know, solve crimes or do stuff more, more than what you can do for me to be able mm. to get higher. So it was for me, for you, you didn't have to prove anything. You just had to be who you are. For me, I always had to prove that I can be better than you to be able to get mm. what you got. And that's where it's difficult. It, it, you know, I had to actually work extremely hard to get the same thing that you got. Mm. And, uh, and that's the way it was. And that's, that's hard for me to realize as a white man to, yeah. to hear that because naturally you want to go, well, no, that's not how it works. But hearing your experience and other people's experience that is is the same like i have a responsibility as a white man to to realize that and and almost to 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 leverage my white privilege to provide equal opportunity Mm. um and and i want to learn how to do that and as a leader and as a pastor like my heart is to listen Mm. um and to and to hear more of of how i can do that um because that's not fair and that's mm. unjust and that's not right. And that makes me angry. It makes me upset. Do you know what I mean? I've not done anything to gain that privilege mm. and we should all be afforded the privilege of equal opportunity. And, Absolutely. I, I, and, and I think I see my responsibility and the responsibility of anybody listening to this to, to leverage that privilege that, that, that you have if, if you are white uh, uh, and listening to, to black friends, I think is, is a really, really good response. And I think, like, okay. even into, into where we are currently, mm. like, the, this, this has become a very current trending issue at the moment. Yeah. Because of, because of the murder of George Floyd by a police officer, by a white police officer, mm. it's like, it's, it's been a catalyst for this kind of, of response. And I suppose... Hearing some of that is, is, is helps us understand why people feel so strongly about what's going on right now. And mm. whether you could unpack for us, Jonathan, just, just why you think people are reacting so strongly to, to, to the murder so, of George Floyd. So I think, yeah, you know, George Floyd, Floyd's murder is... Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it it is is oh gosh, words. It's absolutely shocking. Is is what it is, and I think the the reason why uh, a number of things are happening the way it's happening is that um, I think everyone sees and acknowledges that what took place 
was absolutely needless. Um, and it's just shocking. And I've, and I, and, and it was, it, it didn't even take the media to do it. And, and I think that's where what's happening, why things are, are the way it is now, because the media have absolutely no involvement in in stuff at the moment it is literally someone who's got a recording on their phone and then they're posting it to facebook and it explodes and that's when people start listening because if it's in the media everyone's just like oh this is just what's happening day in day out but when people are absolutely tired and frustrated about a you know something that is taking place on because George Floyd is not the only person to have died in in essentially mm. police custody he's not the first and he won't uh, I'm not I'm praying that he won't be the last but what the, the thing is everyone is recording it everyone is showing it to each mm. other and and that is you know it's not just black people it's everybody is literally showing it to each other and saying, look, this is what I don't like. This is what I'm, I'm going to take a stand for. Cause it, regardless whether it was, he was black or he's white. The fact is that should not have taken place and that should not have uh, happened. And because that shouldn't have happened, I'm going to make a stand and say, you know, you guys have done wrong, you know? And, you know, unfortunately, <sighs> sometimes it takes for um, things like this to take place for, for actually movement to, to, to happen. And I think mm. lockdown has, um, has really helped in that <laughs> this, this 2020 season has been absolutely crazy when it comes down to yeah. um, how, you know, things have been and how people, cause you know, maybe when people were working and, and they're out and, and the business of life, pre-lockdown you know it was a lot difficult to do things but because of lockdown it's just it's actually made people just think well you know what i i'm doing this and i mm. i've got the time to do this and i will do this and i will um, want change to happen and people are more engaged on social media because they're in their home or they spend more time 100%. on social media and yeah you know my my twitter feeds is 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 normally full of football yeah but, you know Every other video is yeah. a video of protests. Is, is it's it, it's all kicking off, and I think yeah. like uh, we would we would both say that that racism is wrong in yeah. any form, Absolutely. but responding to racism with violence is also yeah. wrong. Absolutely, uh, and and you know I've seen lots of videos of in America, but also in the UK as well of yeah. of police officers being attacked um, yeah. by. I, I don't want to say protesters because there's part of me that goes, this is just people looking for an excuse to at attack an officer and they may well not be protesting, but some of it may well be protests spilling over. But I know the vast majority of protests have been peaceful, but like, how do we respond to police officers? Cause we were talking about that earlier, about saying mm. that, you know, not every police officer is racist. Yeah. Like, how can we, how can we support our police in this season? Well, a bit, I mean, I put a post on my on my Facebook today just in regards to that, like actually praising uh, police because essentially, you know, there are good cops and good cops hate bad cops. So that 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 is known. And whether anyone believes that or doesn't, that's up to them. But I'm I'm saying that if you're a good cop, 
you really hate bad cops and and you hate mm. your name or your 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 area your patch being tarnished by a bad officer and trust me that the community knows who the bad officers are and they will and they will come up to you and tell you look you know what this guy stopped me the other day this guy said the other mm. day you know so they would they will out out that that officer mm. so um you know for me in terms of protesting protesting is is gone on through the years there's been many 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 protests through the years um protesting has absolutely it's a right that people will will stand on uh, and will and will go ahead and do and I, I and i i don't have anything against protesting but breaking the law that's something that i have uh yeah if as a police officer when i dealt with the riots that was one of the things that you know i did not quite understand i understand why it took place but why go in and steal why commit theft mm. why commit burglary that's an that's on you know that that's wrong so why do it so if you're protesting and you're holding banners up and you're doing so forth and you and you're getting your point across great but what what in you makes you spit at somebody what makes yeah. you want to attack somebody that's got nothing to do with you know black mm. lives matter and i i think we have to take out that frust- that that black lives matter out of uh, the the crime essentially that's got nothing mm. to do with black lives matter so what you're you know what you're doing is is committing a crime and you're going to be punished by the the landers doing that you know yeah so i i feel for those officers who have to face that mm. um i really do that they take it as that's their job and they will mm. they will deal with it as that's their job but i really do feel sorry for them because but then there are so, these are very small um i know again this is, comes back to the media the media will put that out as a big massive thing but there's very there's hundreds of protests being done that is not recorded or maybe recorded on someone's phone that there's no incidences there's no issues yeah. There's no problems. Yeah, yeah it's actually great and and you know the police are maybe shaked hands hugged in this situation yeah. you know but just maybe yeah. two or three incidences and the media put it as that's a major thing and that that mm. that is what's actually happening all officers are getting spat at every time they go out that's not the case and sometimes mm. it's blown out of proportion um yeah but again, like and I said, it's not by. Yeah. On that, I've seen a thing with Denzel Washington where he said, um, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. Mm. If you do read the newspaper, you're misinformed. Exactly. So what do we do? And it's, mm. and it's about educating yourself, isn't 100%. it? It's, it's, it's about reading it from all sources. It's about Absolutely. using your brain. And, and you know, I, I know, f- for instance, the, the protests that happened in London mm. where, where, 98 percent peaceful and it was the, the small minority that gets picked up uh, uh, and, and, and it's dangerous and that's it and it's the same and, in america because if you look mm. if you look that although although there's there's so many um incidences that's taken place there but oh man there's a whole lot of footage that i've looked in that makes my heart weep where yeah. you know i've seen police officers go down on knee and literally mm. i've seen people you know, who are in the crowd, walk up to them, hug them, shake their hand and say, thank you. Mm. You know, for me, that, that is positivity. And that is what the message of Black Lives um, Matters should be going out for. That's the, that's the message Mm. that they, not just 
people, but police, everyone, everyone's in it. And everyone wants change because it, you know, no one wants to see that happening. Yeah. Um, nobody wants to see that happening mm. um, again, ever. Um, and I think that's what the message should be rather than, mm. you know, you know, rioting and um, attacking police. Yeah. Got, uh, and, and Jonathan, like we spoke the other day and, and you said you'd spent your lunchtime like trying to oh, trying no, to persuade definitely. one of your young people not to go to the protest. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, there's, there's a, we can't forget that we're, we're in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I'm not saying for him not to go to the protest. I'm saying for him, uh, he can protest. You have every right in protesting, man. If I could, I would, but you have to also think about your safety. You also yeah. have to think about uh, protecting yourself. You also have to think about the repercussions of you going out there because mm. it's not just it's not just you you're affected. If you get involved in something out there and no one knows where you are, then what happens? If you yeah. get attacked by you know I don't know anybody, what's going to happen? So it's not just mm. about um, if you <laughs> if you go on the train without you know your face mask or whatever you're gonna you'll get coronavirus so it's just actually just saying look they are they're protesting is great but there are so many different other ways of mm. of getting your your viewer point uh, across that can be as as effective as that or more effective than that mm. so it's not saying don't protest but it's just saying be sensible in the way you um mm. you make your movements and i think that's and talk talking to your parents or your carers 100%. about that is so so important yeah because um, i know that there's some of our young people that have gone and mm. some of our young people that have wanted to go and parents have said no yeah. um and you know i wanted to go but chose you know i have a responsibility in my role to, to knock at coronavirus yeah 100%. And, and, and i don't want to put myself at risk in that way mm. um and so so jonathan how can if, if we're not going and joining the protests, which, which most people listen and won't be, how do we add our voice to this? Um, and how do, we, how do we engage and how do we, how do we support and protest from our home? Yeah. So, again, it, I, th I think for me, it's, I mean, I can speak as a father and, I, I, you know, I, I'm wary, essentially, of letting my boys go to Tesco's, let alone go into central London and, and do a, a protest. Um, I, I want them to be safe at all times. And, and I think that's the love that I have for them um, as a father. So, um, but that doesn't stop them from filling their Snapchat with content or Instagram with mm. content um, that they feel. I mean, I, they, I think we can get into a danger that, you know, where you've, it may be like everyone has to say something you, there is no um it's a personal decision this Good. is what i want to say so for me my, my i made a personal decision to say that i'm not going to go into central london but um it just meant that i'm doing podcasts and i'm and i'm you know using facebook as that tool or twitter as that tool mm. um or instagram as that tool so it's not it, it's a personal i feel the injustice i feel uh that inequality should be disappear. I feel that racism disappear. And because of that, I have decided that I'm not going to protest, but I will do these things. So I think it's a personal thing. So for them, if they feel personally that they're standing, and it doesn't matter if you're black or white, it doesn't matter who you are. If you feel you're, you want to make a stand for injustice, then 
how about you speak to those people who are closest to you about it? How about you um, send, you know, that Snapchat or that Instagram post to a couple of your friends and seeing whether they will repost it, you know? Um, how about you even just say, I'm not even going to send anything. Let me just educate myself on what, why mm. black people have gone through what they've gone through. Let me look at black history and see, you know, why, why people are acting in the way they are. Let me just, you know, actually, let me just educate myself and, and study uh, criminal law. Let me go into, doc- you know, the, the government website or go to CPS website, for instance, Crime Prosecution Service, and let me educate myself on the law that is there that, uh, you know, so that I, I can then say, oh, this is the laws and legislation of this land and this is what we have to buy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's so many different uh, ways of, of, of helping um, eradicate things through the system um and it doesn't always have to be uh being on the front line essentially so having those conversations with with people and friends about it's very important Mm. because it it spreads like wildfire you speak to one person that person will speak to somebody else or you know your whole community knows about something i mean and i'll and i will say that I posted something uh, a couple of weeks ago um, and I'm generally not a Facebook person. So hmm. I, I, t- I try not to post many things and I do always keep my, my post private, but on this occasion um, and on a few of occasions since then um, I've made it a public post and it was just about knowing your worth. Um, so God, God has invested his life, <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ for my, for me, you know, he died for me and um, I must be, you know, worth something. He's poured out into me. So I'm worth something. And I was just kind of saying to people, just know your worth, know what, what, know what God has given you, know your worth, know what God has given to you. And in that post, it, it got reposted like a hundred and something times, um, reshared. And for me, that, kind of i was like wow i i didn't realize that people were would ever listen to jonathan Rowland. first of all but <laughs> you know it just made me say you know actually i can have a little impact on on those few people but in that impact a few other people then saw that post and then decided to give me a call through that i'm one of my friends from college said oh my gosh i got this post um from one of your uh, a mutual friend and I didn't even realize it was you Jonathan and then had a conversation and started to speak about life and I haven't this is 20 years ago you know I haven't Mm. spoken to this person so it's just just one thing that you can say can make a massive impact on 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 somebody's life um, and others lives through it and just one one final question Jonathan Mm. before we before we wrap up like um I guess the majority of people that, that listen to this podcast will be white. I know my um, my hangout on Wednesday night with, with, with teenagers was it was all of us were white that evening, um, mm-hmm. and there's a sense of I want to help, but I don't know what I can do. I you know, um, some are talking about you know I want to post something, but I'm scared I'll say the wrong thing. Like what can what can, what can white people be doing to, to add their voice and help with this? That's cool. And I, that's a, that's a deep question, bro. How, <laughs> how I'd probably 
how I'd answer that would be like Andy, I would I would ask you a question. Are you racist? No. And there you go. So you've answered that question. So if you saw something racist taking place, what would you do about it? What would you personally want to do about it? I so, would want to step in, yeah. Okay. So that's it. So it's for me, if I saw something on the street where a, a black guy was, I don't know, cursing out a white person saying, you're da da whatever. I would stand in and do something about it. I say, bruh, you can't be saying that kind of stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? You're letting me down. You're letting yourself down. You're letting everyone down. Yeah. So either calm down or, or walk away or do something different. Do you know what I mean? You don't have, and I will stand and I will make a stand for it. And, and I think with this whole Black Lives Matter, that's exactly what's happening. People are acknowledging that black lives do matter. And because of that, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to make a stand for it. So, you know, it, when people say all lives matter, yes, all lives do matter. All lives do matter. hundred million percent. All lives do matter. But that's not what Black Lives Matter is all about. It's no. speaking specifically about Black Lives Matter because... And hmm. Carl Lentz said something really good about this. And he said, and, um, all lives don't matter until black lives matter yeah and it's that simple yeah. and, and it's like, a jigsaw puzzle isn't it so yeah you know, it's just like saying you know you've got an important piece of the puzzle but you're just you're know, leaving it out mm. an important piece of puzzle is white lives important piece of puzzle is black lives important, yeah. you know so those, those are important pieces of the puzzle but the whole thing thing is is that when you put all that puzzle together then that means all lives matter but if you do not have black lives matter Therefore, you do not have a full picture of what society yeah. is and what community mm. is and what God's love is. God's love is yeah. all, you know, he died for us all and he loves us all. And that's, and that's the message is love. But to leave certain parts of that is not love. To, to, mm. to, to be subtle in uh, oppression in, in a certain way, that's not love. In being racist, that's not love. So, mm. you know, it's, for me, it's having that full picture, having that all pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together, and that's uh, that's that's something that's important for me, and that is why I do I will do this. <laughs> mm. I I wouldn't imagine me doing this, but this is why I would do this because I, I just yeah. feel like you know my journey is although it's been a hard one. There are many people who who are like me who've gone through a journey like this. There are many people mm. like me who've who, who suffered. Many people like me who've um, who've had to fight um, all, all day, every day to try and be somebody in, in society. You know, I, I could not have done it without um, having strong people around me, without having prayerful uh, family, without, without having, you know, a, a church that will help support me. Um, I couldn't have done it um, mm. because you, you, we need each other. And for us to uh, take each other out the, the the equation is where the issue is and that's what's been happening and that's yeah. why people are making a massive stand for it because they're realizing that you know what for us to all move forward we need everybody everybody needs to bring something to the table everyone needs to you know mm. i may just have an orange you, andy you may have an apple 
you know <laughs> but the fact is how do you make a, 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 a fruit basket it's that everyone has to bring something to the table and, yeah. just gonna, and I can't just bring my oranges all the time because it, no one's, it's just oranges. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You can't just bring apples all the time because it's just be apples. But because I bring orange, you bring apple, you know, other people bring banana. Every, and then somebody says, oh, I'm bringing a pineapple. And like, wow, that's great. I'm going to bring a kiwi. And then all of a sudden you have an arrange of, of fruit in that basket that, mm. that makes it lovely. And it yeah. means that everyone can enjoy but what, you can't just leave one out. And, that does, mm. and that's why Black Lives Matter movement is so important because you just can't yeah. leave one thing out. Mm. That's so good, Jonathan, so good. And I think I, think I, I, I would add, as part of love, it's about listening. Yeah. And it's about listening to each other. And even, even just anybody listening to this podcast, that's a step in love. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe you've got some black friends that you could just call up and say, Hey, tell me your story. Like, I want to listen. I know I will never understand what it's like to be on the end of racism, but I want to understand more. So help me understand more. I want to listen to you. I, I, and listen. And generally do that. So yeah. it has to be genuine. So, uh, man, I, I, will, I will get people sending me Facebook messages and that, and I know it's not genuine. I know mm. they're, just, they're just part of the bandwagon. And this is what I'm saying. It has to be a personal thing. So yeah. I don't want to receive a, a message from somebody saying, oh, bro, I feel for you. You're my brother. And they don't actually mean it. Mm. Yeah, so it has to be from the heart. It has to be genuine. Yeah. And that genuineness will be, will be seen and will be known. And therefore, yeah. you will get a, a genuine reaction from it. But if it's not mm. genuine, you're not going to get any reaction from it. Yeah. So, you know, just because you just say, oh, man, I love you. You're my black friend. <laughs> they're just gonna be like okay cool thanks for that yeah. <laughs> do you know what yeah. i'm saying and i probably won't talk to you after that that'll be it mm. done done that conversation yeah but because you're generally saying look you know what i i actually did even i've been listening to some podcasts i didn't actually know that you you guys and i say you guys because all you black people had gone through that kind of stuff i didn't even know mm. that have you been through that kind of stuff and then you generally have a conversation about it and you generally want to educate yourself from it then yeah you generally move forward and help others with that and it has to, it has to be genuine it can't just be mm. oh because everybody's doing it therefore i'm gonna do it because everyone processing i'm gonna protest that's that's why i don't need to go into central london because mm. i don't want to just be like everybody you know i can i have a right to but i don't need to because yeah. i i i know i can do things better in different ways and that's what's important everybody can do mm. something different in another way so just bring a different fruit to the to the basket uh, yeah. in your way. Do you know what I mean? And we can all eat. <laughs> Absolutely, church is full of fruit baskets. Isn't it, mate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Indeed, man. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for just opening your heart. Like it's been a lot of raw emotion and raw feeling for you. We appreciate you being vulnerable. We appreciate your honesty um, and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for your time, mate. And um, for those of you listening, like Central Youth or anyone else listening, like we want to open dialogue about this. So if you're struggling with this, if you've got questions, like talk to us, DM us on Instagram. Let's set up a one-to-one -one video chat. Let's let's talk about this. This cannot just be a trending issue. Like we have got to keep having this conversation, um, and we want to do that. Our posture as Life Central Churches, we are multicultural. We are multicolored, we are multi-generational, and we want to keep that open. 
Um, so please do get in touch with us. And I, I want to wrap up the podcast with a with a post I've seen on social media from um, Lee Brown, who's one of the youth pastors in uh, Audacious in Chester. Um, and he said, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 says, love never fails. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Mark 12, 31, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this, some are posting on social media, some are protesting in the streets, some are donating silently, some are educating themselves, some are having tough conversations with friends and families. A revolution has many lanes. Be kind to yourself and others who are traveling in the same direction. Just keep your foot on the gas. And that's our heart. And that's what we want to do, guys. So thank you for listening, Jonathan. Thank you so much for your contribution. yeah, this is coming out early, um, so there won't be a podcast on Monday, um, but you may not be listening to this. You might be listening to this on a, on a Wednesday or whatever, <laughs> but please do give uh, give the podcast a subscribe if you've enjoyed it. If you want to share this uh, with, with friends, non-Christian friends, Christian friends, um, please feel free to do that. But in the meantime, have a great rest of your day, and we love you lots, Life Central Youth. Take care.